The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar, and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you were under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people had gathered to witness this sight, saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the woman who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arithmia, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one on which no one had yet been laid. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to be like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself 
what had happened. The gospel of the Lord. Thank you, Garth. Well, good morning. Again, to all who are visiting, welcome. My name is Paul Sorensen. I'm the senior pastor here. It is a joy to celebrate Easter with you today. Before we dive into this passage, would you bow your heads with me as I share another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. In one of my theological commentaries, the story is told of a little boy named Stevie who was quiet and shy and had just moved into a new neighborhood. One day, Stevie came home from school and said, you know, Mom, Valentine's Day is coming, and I want to make a Valentine for everyone in my class. I want them to know that I love them. His mother's heart sank at the prospect of her son's rejection. Every afternoon, she watched the children coming home from school, laughing and hanging on to one another, all except Stevie, who always walked behind them. But at the same time, she didn't want to discourage her well-intentioned son. So she purchased glue and paper and crayons, and for three weeks, little Stevie painstakingly made 35 Valentines. When the big day came, he stacked the Valentines under his arm and ran out the door. And his mother thought, this is going to be a tough day for Stevie. I'll bake some cookies, have some milk ready for when he comes home from school. Maybe, maybe that will ease the pain for not getting many Valentines. And that afternoon, she had the warm cookies and milk out on the table. She went to the window and scratched a little frost off of the glass and looked out. And sure enough, here came all the children laughing, Valentine's tucked under their arms. And there was Stevie. Though walking behind the children, he was walking faster than usual. And she thought, bless his heart, he's ready to break down into tears. His arms were empty. He was not carrying one valentine. Stevie came into the house. His mother said, sweetheart, mom has some warm cookies and milk for you here. Just sit down. But Stevie's face was aglow. As he marched right by her, all he could say was not one, not a single one. I didn't forget one. They all know I love them. As we gathered together on this Easter morning, I recognize we all come from different backgrounds. We all carry different stories, don't we? Some of us are young and have been made to come here this morning. Maybe that's you, no matter why or how you came. Again, I'm glad you're here. Then some of us are older in age and have celebrated this day, this Easter day, for years, just this past week, one of our staff members said, y'all don't even know. And she donned a big smile. She said, this is my favorite day of the year. And of course, some of us are here today to explore the Christian faith, curious about something more, maybe thirsty for something 
more. Again, if that's you, welcome. Listen, friends, no matter who you are today or where you come from today, I have good news to share with you this morning, and it is this. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus went to the greatest lengths to demonstrate the greatest love for you and for me. And when rightly understood, this truth is what makes the story of Easter irresistible. Again, the big idea I hope we all walk away with today is this. Through his death and his resurrection, Jesus went to the greatest lengths to demonstrate the greatest love for you and for me. And like little Stevie, Jesus didn't forget one. Through this story, this Easter story, Jesus' love was and is extended to everyone. So let's dive in. Point one, Jesus went to the greatest lengths for you and for me. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there. Along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching. And the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written notice above him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him as well. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And dropping down to verse 44, it was about noon. And darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last Darkness, darkness. The crucifixion of Jesus has been described as the darkest day in history. Hanging on a cross on a hill called the skull or Calvary by way of our Latin translations, Jesus had been an innocent man who had been unjustly accused and convicted of turning on his people by his own people. From there, by way of a perverse Roman government, Jesus had been mocked, beaten, and murdered in the most heinous and humiliating way known to the ancient world. There had been no darker way to die. Still, the darkness was not simply limited to Jesus' death. It was more. Throughout his trial and his crucifixion, Jesus' best friends and followers even left his side. It's been said to suffer in life is a given, but to suffer alone is intolerable. And that's exactly what Jesus went through. Even Peter, his most faithful follower, after saying he would never leave Jesus's side, had denied him three times. So listen, facing the darkest day of his life, Jesus had to face the darkest day of his life alone. 
but there's more. As we read in our passage, darkness was not something that simply happened to Jesus. It's something that happened over Jesus. Verse 44 in Luke 23, it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining. Now, if we're not careful, we can quickly gloss over this fact, this point, but that would be a mistake. Why? Because it further highlights the depths of darkness in the great length Jesus went for you and for me. Let me stop and unpack this point just for a minute. Listen, within the framework of the Old Testament, what did a dark sky or a blackout represent? Anyone know? Our dark sky or blackout represented God's present or future judgment on all of the evil in the world in the morning which would result. We see this, for instance, in the books of Exodus, Joel, Amos, and Zephaniah. In fact, look at this. In Amos chapter 8, we read, In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon. Catch that? In dark in the earth and broad daylight, I will turn your religious festivals in the morning and all your singing into weeping. I will make that time like morning for an only son. In the end of it, like a bitter day. Powerful, right? Thus, what happened in the sky over Jesus as he was mocked and beaten, nailed to a splintered cross and seen gasping for breath for hours, only to bleed out in agony for all the world to see was not a coincidence. Friends, it was no accident. No, according to the biblical witness, this darkest moment in history was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. You see, at a place called Calvary, or the skull, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus, as the suffering servant and sacrificial lamb on which all of our sins were heaped, essentially said with his life, Father, execute all of your justice and unleash all of the punishment that is meant for the world on me. And that is why Jesus was crucified. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. We held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53. These are the words of Isaiah written some 800 years before Jesus' death. Why would he do such a thing? Why would Jesus go to such great lengths for you and for me? And friends, the answer is captured in one word. Love. This leads us to point two. Jesus demonstrated the greatest love for you and for me. In the words of Tim Keller, founder of Redeemer out of New York City, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. 
Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And that's exactly what we see in the rest of our passage. Picking up at verse 40, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, listen, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Let me ask you a question. Who is Easter for? Who did Jesus come and die for? Did he come and die for the one in power who has it all together? Or did he come and die for that nobody that seems to have nothing together? Who did Jesus come and die for? Was it for the man or the woman with the perfect past and that oh-so-perfect smile? Or was it for the man or woman from that broken past with that noticeably crooked smile? Who did Jesus come to die for? Was it for the one from that certain race or nationality? Or was it one for the one from that different race or different nationality? Who did Jesus come to die for? Was it for the boy or girl with the sharp mind that seems to have life all figured out? Or was it for the boy or girl who has struggled in school and in life and asked daily, what is this life all about? Who did Jesus come to die for? Who is Easter for? Easter is for everyone. Listen, no matter who you are or how far you've strayed, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you today. And this is all evidenced by the varied individuals we see highlighted next in the Easter story. Quickly look at this with me. First, we see a thief on the cross. Next, we see a centurion on a hill. From there, we see the statesman at the cross. And finally, we see the woman at the tomb. First, the thief on the cross. Who is the very first person in Luke's narrative to testify that Jesus is, in fact, the Lord and Savior? It's this guy, a criminal who's been sentenced to die. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Notice the immediacy in the intimacy of Jesus' words. Today, not tomorrow, not next week, not in a few years, but today you will be with me. Not with somebody else. You'll be with me in paradise. Wow. This means that it is never too late and you're never too lost to cry out to Jesus. It's never too late, and you're never too lost to cry out to him. Do you see that? Next, the centurion in verse 47. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. So who or what was the centurion? Well, he was a Roman officer in charge of 100 soldiers, and this is significant. First, a criminal on death row becomes a believer in Jesus. And next, a foreign officer becomes, becomes a believer in Jesus. In fact, in the books of Mark and Matthew in the Bible, this man is recorded as having said this, surely he, Jesus, was the son of God. Do you see the beautiful invitation in this, friends? It means you can be a total outsider 
including being a foreigner to the faith or a foreigner wherever you live, and you can be a total insider in Jesus. It's incredible. And from there, we see the native statesman, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. This guy was among the elite of the elite, one of the top 71 men in all of Israel. And yet he risked everything to physically go and remove Jesus from the cross and put him in a family tomb. Not only did Joseph, this guy, rep, excuse me, risk his very reputation, he risked his life. Why would he do such a thing? Because he too had become a believer. And friends, listen, when you know, when you know, you know. In Joseph, the elite statesman was willing to risk his life because Jesus had just given his life as a son of God. And last but not least, there's Mary Magdalene. Sure, there are other women mentioned in Luke 24 who were part of the small group that first saw and heard about the resurrection, but I'd like to focus on her. Who was Mary Magdalene? Does anyone remember? No cheating, Kathy. From Luke chapter 8, we know that Mary Magdalene was a woman who had had seven, seven demons cast out of her by Jesus. And Luke tells us that she had then devoted the rest of her life with other women to serving and supporting Jesus and his followers. And listen, in a time in history where women and their word were not seen as sufficient to hold up in court, especially a woman like Mary Magdalene, I find it absolutely stunning that in God's redemptive plan, he chose this woman and her friends to be the first evangelist for the resurrection day. Just let that land with you right now, whoever you are. It's stunning that in God's redemptive plan, he chose Mary Magdalene and her friends to be the first evangelist for the resurrection day. God did not choose an emperor. He did not choose a lawyer. He did not choose a doctor or someone with an impeccable reputation to go and spread the word about that day. No, he chose Mary Magdalene, a former demon-possessed woman and a social outcast to spread the word about that day. It is oh so beautiful. So what does it mean? What does all of this mean? Again, it means this good news, this Easter news, that Jesus went to the greatest lengths to demonstrate the greatest love is for you and for me. It is for everyone. Can you relate to the criminal? This good news is for you. Can you relate to the foreigner? This good news is for you. Can you relate to the elder statesman? This good news is for you. Can you relate to the woman with the checkered past? This good news is for you. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus, through the story of Easter, shows he didn't forget one person, not one. And that, friends, includes you. Returning to our opening illustration, 
Sure, little Stevie made valentines for his classmates to show that he loved them. It was sweet. However, Jesus went to the cross to prove that he loved you. And that changes everything. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever, should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Friends, do you believe this good news today? Do you believe that Easter is for you today? Do you believe that Jesus came to die and rise for you today? No matter who you are and what you're facing with your tomorrow, can you face tomorrow with hope today? Listen, because of Easter, every one of us can say yes. And this is good news, game-changing news. Through his death and his resurrection, Jesus went to the greatest lengths to demonstrate the greatest love for you and for me. And here's the call. Here's the invitation. Trust him. Even if you've left him, come back and trust him with your life today. It will change everything. Begin right now, today. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we we love you because you first loved us. Some of us are a hot mess, like the criminal, and we cry out to you. Extend your mercy, God. Search us and know us. See if there's any offensive ways in us, and we pray that you would forgive us. Thank you for your son, Jesus, that he came to die for us and to rise to give us hope. We believe. We believe. We believe. In Jesus' name, amen.